Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I'd like to thank all my listeners for listening and also the contributors to my podcast who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, binaural production engineer Damian Keller author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything there you need. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Steve Burgess, and he has a book on The Power of Past Life Regression, did I get it right? That's it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when did you first find out that people had past lives? From a, a sort of professional perspective, as a, as a hypnotherapist, I've been a hypnotherapist for over 29 years now. And, um, <clears throat> Jimmy, although in the early stages of my career i wasn't trained in past life regression although um having been practicing as a buddhist for some years before that i knew very much about past lives and reincarnation obviously uh, but as a therapist i was just a standard hypnotherapist uh, you know clients would come with all sorts of issues and i'd guide them into hypnosis into trance and uh, use what we call post-hypnotic suggestion therapy which is where we just sort of feed the subconscious mind with positive suggestions. And the aim then is that the subconscious helps the person to get better. And that was the way that I was trained. And that was what I was doing until one day uh, a young man came in, in his early 20s, with a severe anxiety state. And <clears throat> when I say severe, Gary, it was he was in a very bad state. He sat in my chair in my office and he was shaking he was hyperventilating when he was speaking. He was stuttering and stammering his words out. And I said to him, so how, how long have you had this anxiety for? And he said, well, I've always been anxious. I've always been a worrier. But the last few years, it's got worse and worse. And since the children came along, I, I've been just a total bag of nerves. He said, I'm, uh, I've had to give up work. I can't go to work. I sit at home every day, shaking. Um, the doctor's just given me tablets which haven't worked and which, in fact, made it worse. My wife is absolutely sick of it. She has said to me that if I don't get better, she'll divorce me. She can't take any more of it. We don't have a life. The family doesn't have a life. So I asked him if there was anything that had caused the anxiety, anything in his life. And there were no major traumas because most of my work is working on traumas from the past. So I thought, okay, well, I guided him into hypnosis, gently took him into trance, and he started to relax beautifully. He was laying in my reclining chair. His breathing started to slow down. His whole body softened. And he was in a beautiful state of calmness and relaxation. And... Um, this, I thought, was just going to be a standard anxiety session. Just give him some post-hypnotic suggestions and send him out the door feeling more relaxed. And then, after about 10 minutes, 
suddenly his whole body started to shake. He started to breathe loudly. He was writhing around in the chair. His head was going from side to side. And he started to sort of half shout and half whisper. And he was saying something like, no, hide, hide the children, hide, hide them in here, in here, quickly, they're coming, they're coming, hide, quickly, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And then for a few seconds, he was completely silent. And then all of a sudden, he started to scream and yell and writhe. No, 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 not the children. No, 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 no. And he just flopped down in the chair, completely still, was totally silent. And I thought, what on earth is this? So I said, how do you feel? He said, I feel wonderful. I feel absolutely wonderful. I feel so relaxed. I've never felt this calm in my life before. He said, what was that? So I said, what was happening for you? He said, it was weird. It was like I was in another body and I was a man and and we had children and, and me and my wife, we were trying to hide from, it was the Nazis, soldiers were coming for us and the Nazis and we tried to hide somewhere. And then they found us and they shot us all and killed us all. What was that about? So I said, well, I think you've been in a past life. Um, You've spontaneously regressed into a past life. How do you feel? He said, I feel wonderful. He said, I just feel absolutely marvelous. Do you know, Gary, his problem was cured in 10 minutes, completely cured in 10 minutes. And I sat there and thought, why do I know about this? Why, I knew about past lives, but not as a therapist. Why do I know more about this? So I got some information from a, an American past life association, started to work with past lives more often. And then over the years, I mean, I've done over 15,000 therapy sessions now, and many thousands of those sessions have been past life regression sessions. And I've developed a, a system of working Uh, which is my own sort of system, a structured system of working in hypnotherapy and regression, which has a fantastic success rate because it's all about working on the causes of my clients' problems. Wow. So that's how I got started in past lives. So it was by accident? Totally, totally. This young man just spontaneously regressed. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's really shocking. And as a therapist, you've got to do your best to sort of hang in there and let the process take place. His subconscious mind knew what it wanted to do. Once he was in trance, it knew that in order to help him to get better, it had to go back to the source of the problem. And that's what it did brilliantly. Hmm. So after you had this experience with that patient, um, I mean, well, first of all, like when you had, like how surprised were you by it? Like, I was completely shot. I mean, I had an anxiety state after that. <laughs> it just it just came from nowhere. Um and the and the, the reaction and the screaming, the yelling, the writhing. He was in the experience. He was reliving that death experience as though it was actually happening. And it although that doesn't happen very often. It can sometimes happen, and some of my client cases over the years have been very dramatic. 
where people really are reliving the events in the past life, almost as if it's right now. Uh, and because it's, they know that I'm there, they know that they're in the body now, but the energy of it is so strong. It's as if they're back in that past life at that time. And it's so often the death in the past life. Most past life regression therapy is death therapy, is releasing traumas from, uh, sorry, is releasing the, the, the traumatic energies from deaths in previous lives. So it isn't fun, but it's incredibly effective. Do you think that um, after death, I, I mean, I've heard stories, I've done a lot of near-death and out-of-body episodes, and everybody says, a lot of people say after they die, they go to a place, there's a life review, and then there's sort of like a period of healing where you kind of heal from, from, from the life before entering into another. Do you think that some of these cases with the trauma, maybe they didn't, for some for some reason, they skip past the healing and just jump right into another body or life? That's a really good question, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't say for certain. I mean, the, the, the standard reincarnation or the traditional view of reincarnation is, yes, that that's what happens. We pass over, we leave our physical body, we move into spirit, there's a review of the life. We understand where we went wrong and um, also where we went right, perhaps. And then it's said that we sort of roughly plan out our next incarnation and when that will be before we get reborn. So that's a standard view. I don't think my reading of it is that when we go up into spirit and we go through a sort of a healing, I don't think that fully heals the the pain and the energies of the traumas from that particular lifetime i think what it does it settles us down in spirit and gives us a sense that okay that was a trauma that you had when you were in life but now we're up in spirit there's no pain up here everything's free and everything is calm but actually once we get reborn in our next physical body the energy of the trauma comes through with us in some way so to answer your question i don't believe in most cases, that once we go up into spirit and that generalized healing process takes place in spirit, I personally don't believe that it really heals the major traumas from the life we've just lived. Hmm. Do you think, um, why do you think it is that we do not remember our past lives consciously, but we can remember them under hypnotic uh, regression? For some reason, um, it's as if our uh, memories get white when we get reborn into a new body. The traditional view of that, I think, is that it's not necessary for us to remember everything because we've got to learn over and over just what we've got to learn over many lifetimes. And the idea is over many lifetimes, we live and do everything. And over those lifetimes, many, many lifetimes, we grow as souls and eventually we can step off this cycle of death and rebirth so that's the sort of traditional viewpoint it's as though memories get wiped we get reborn again there is a more <clears throat> scary viewpoint if you like with regard to reincarnation which i i don't know whether you've heard of this is called the white light trap no, and this is something it. that I I've only just recently come upon in the last year or so, 
So I, I don't know how true this is, to be honest, Gary, but it, it adds a different dimension to the whole concept of reincarnation. And there is a, a, a school of thought that, I, as I say, I'm just starting to research this. I don't know if this is true. There is a school of thought, though, that reincarnation isn't necessary, that as every, we are all part of source and therefore we are all perfect beings. So in a way, there is nothing that we have to learn. But what uh, some people say is that when we die, um, there are entities, some would say aliens, that are actually running the earth. And when we die, they hijack our spirit, our soul. Often they are sort of manifesting as angels on the other side. And what they then do is they take us to this hall of learning and make it all nice and pleasant but actually what's happening is they're forcing us to be reborn because what they do they feed on our fear and our misery when we're back on earth in a human body and of course life on earth isn't the easiest of things at the best of times and it's said that they feed on that misery and therefore it's in their best interest to make sure we keep reincarnating mm -hmm. so that we can stay down here in this asylum and keep the energy of fear and misery so that they can feed on that energy. Okay. So I have scary heard, concepts. I, I've heard, I don't know how true. I've done quite a few interviews actually with people that um, believe in sort of like this negative alien theory and, you know, them being walk ins and, and, and all kinds of different theories about negative aliens. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know either. <laughs> I honestly don't know. But this is a, a new sort of theory that I'm just starting to look at. Um, and I, I don't know either. I really don't. But um, from a therapist's perspective, it doesn't matter. Because from my, as a therapist, a regression therapist, it's about helping clients to get better. So it doesn't matter whether we're forced to come back or whether it's just a natural process over many lifetimes. We all carry emotional baggage from the past wow so how what after this happened to you what did you do next like like did you start taking classes on past life hypnosis did you start researching different cases like where you know what was the next move uh it was a couple of things one was researching cases from existing past life therapists there weren't too many back in the early 1990s when i was starting uh, and also getting hold of information on using past life regression in hypnosis and i then started to uh, play with it is the wrong word i used to, i started to introduce the possibility of past lives into therapy sessions i also used to run some past life regression group workshops for groups of people to see if we can get them back into their own past lives. Um, and then at the end of the workshop, they'd share what they experienced during the past life group workshop. So I started to play with it. <clears throat> and then I started to develop a way of working with regression in hypnosis. And over the years, then I've formulated a very structured system, um, which is a way that the subconscious can guide us to exactly where we need to go to help the client to release and, and neutralize and heal the problem. Interesting. Um, so 
during like in during some of the early sessions, like when you started the beginning of these past life regression, what were some of the things that surprised you the most? Uh, the depth of the emotion, the depth of the fear, the anger, the sadness, the guilt, um, the anxiety that was coming through from the past. Now you would think if this was sort of all imaginary stuff and and silly woo-woo or new agey stuff, you would actually think that people would just get a sense of past lives. But in a lot of cases, they were really experiencing deep pain, emotional pain. And the depth of that pain, even to this day sometimes, shocks me. And, and you can't fabricate that. You know, people, of course, even in my profession, past life regression is, is controversial. You know, there are hypnotherapists who won't do it or believe it's all imaginary. For me, having done thousands of regressions, it isn't the case. You, you can't make up the depth of the emotion that comes through for some people in a past life regression session. It's just too strong. You can't fabricate that. Where do you think the souls come from? Do you know, I really, really don't know, Gary. That's that's sort of a, an existential question, really. Who knows where we come from? Who knows why we need to reincarnate ultimately? Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, we're all part of, my belief system is that we're all part of oneness. And therefore, you know, as oneness, we go from life to life to learn in order to keep doing our best to heal the earth really and to heal what's happening around here but I'm really not sure where the souls come from hmm. um, my job is when a client sits in front of me with a problem <clears throat> is to get them better that's what I'm about right so what are some of the things that you have been able to cure that regular medical treatment has not been able to Okay. Can I let me explain if I may, Gary, the the concepts of regression. So the regression model is that all of our problems, all of our issues as human beings come from locked in feelings and emotions from past traumas. So that therefore means whatever issue we have, it's been caused by locked in feelings and emotions from the past. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if anybody's heard of Louise Hay with her wonderful book, You Can Heal Your Life, which is, you know, multi, they sold, what, 50 million copies around the world. And she advocates this viewpoint. Every physical illness has emotional causes. But in therapy, every issue has underlying emotional causes. So it doesn't matter what the issue is, whether it's an anxiety state whether it's a depression, a lack of confidence, a sexual problem, an addiction, a physical problem, even cancer. All of these things are caused by past emotions which are locked inside us. And these emotional traumas take place in three different areas. The first area is this present life. And that's pretty obvious. We, most of us, if not all of us, carry emotional baggage from this lifetime. There is a school of thought advocated by um, John Bradshaw. He's the father of modern day inner child therapy. 
And he says that only 4% of people are truly balanced, which means that 96% of us are screwed up in some way. And I'll be honest, Gary, I've not met one of the 4% yet in my travels. So I think I think 100% of us have got some form of emotional baggage from this life. So quite a lot of regression is about healing the wounds in this life. Um, a lot of childhood healing goes on. You know, we do a lot of work to heal our inner child. But the second area in regression of past lives and the third area, which is even less known about, are ancestral traumas. And these are traumas that we inherit from ancestors in our bloodline, from parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, etc., etc., etc. So the full regression package is looking at any one or all three of those areas to heal and neutralize the client's problem. So for some clients, we may just be working in this life. For some clients, we may work in just past lives or ancestors' lives. But for quite a lot of my clients, all three of those areas need to be worked in to fully heal them. So um, just as a matter of, for example, uh, depression. Depression is classic. Uh, you know, depression, you don't catch depression. It's not. It's like anxiety. You don't catch it by sitting next to somebody who's, caught, who's got it. It's not like flu. Depression is always caused, well, the vast majority of cases, by locked-in anger. Now, what anger is, is a composite emotion. Underneath anger, there's always sadness. And so that's why that uh, depression is characterized by melancholy. So I had a client who came with severe depression. She'd been depressed for many years. And the cause of her depression was quite a lot of trauma in this present lifetime. She'd had some difficult times with previous relationships and one of her ex-boyfriends was actually quite brutal and, and violent towards her, which would be enough for many people to get depressed. But she also had eight past lives, which were also feeding in and causing the depression. And we worked through all of those eight past lives to release the traumas. In one of them, um, she was in, in the Victorian London in the 1800s as a poor flower seller. She was just a girl who was living on the edge of poverty, trying to sell flowers in the middle of a busy city, London, every day. And she got more and more sick in that life until one day she was so ill, she dragged herself to some sort of quack doctor somewhere in London, knocked on his door. He took her in and then he raped her and killed her. So that's pretty traumatic, as you can imagine. She had another past life where she was a young mother and her young son, the boy, the love of her life, was killed. And she never recovered. She never came to terms with the death of her son. She had another past life where she was hung uh, for being a witch. And I've had many hundreds of people over the years who have been killed for being witches, when they weren't witches in most cases. Um, and another past life where uh, she was a male soldier in a battle. And she was a coward and ran away from the battle and... He couldn't come to terms with that, and eventually he did die. Um, so those, those were just like four of the, the eight past lives, Gary. And we worked through all eight over several sessions, completely cured the depression, completely released it. Wow. So that's just one example. When you do this, like, what is the... What is it in the process that causes the healing? Is it the remembering of it and the re-experiencing 
or is it reframing it? It's a brilliant question. That's a great question. It really is. It's all three. It's all of those. So I would say that for probably 80% of cases, it's about releasing the emotions. It's, and we see lots of tears. As regression therapists, we see lots of tears. And sometimes my clients are shaking. And as I've said earlier, quite dramatic things sometimes. Um, so for most people, that's the most important thing. But for others, it's about getting a, a learning, you could say, from the life, an understanding you know, why Why the problem is now? Where's it come from? Oh, no wonder I've always had this problem with my mother. No wonder she's always been nasty to me and never loved me. In the past life, I killed her. <laughs> so, ah, that makes sense. I understand, of course. Right. So that understanding can be the therapy. Um, sometimes we do a bit of tweaking, as you say. We'll reframe things to get see, people to see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um but those are the main sort of reasons, uh, the main areas, and the main ways in which past life regression works. Um, but the, ma- the main one is releasing the energies and the emotions. It isn't fun. It's not fun therapy, but it is so damned effective. It's extraordinary. Can it be dangerous to, for a person to remember a trauma from a past life that maybe they're not quite ready to experience? Or you have them under hypnosis and you realize, like, this is so bad that when I, before I wake them up, I'm going to make sure they don't remember this session. Okay. Well, there's a few things there. Um, first of all, when we're in hypnosis, we don't go under hypnosis, we go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so hypnosis really is more of a relaxed state than anything else. So I often say to my clients, think relaxation. So In 99.9% of cases, the client is very aware, even in trance, of what they're experiencing from the past. So the subconscious, though, safeguards the client. So I'm answering the question in two or three ways, if that's okay. First of all, the subconscious is the all-knowing, all-wise part of us. Uh, I mean, the mind, we talk a lot about the conscious and subconscious mind, so just for the if I just may explain the, the difference, basically the way to I explain this to clients is that our mind is like an iceberg. The tip of the iceberg above the waves is the conscious thinking mind. But beneath the, the surface of the waves is the bulk of the iceberg, the subconscious mind. That's the 99.99% of the mind that we don't usually use overtly on a day-to-day basis. And when we go into trance, that's where we go into into the subconscious. And the subconscious is uh, the seat of our imagination, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our intuition, our creativity. Then it contains all the memories that go way back. My personal belief now, having done this job for so many years, is that we all have a higher self. And I believe our subconscious mind either is the higher self or is intimately connected to the higher self. And so it knows everything there is to know about us. And it has our best interest at heart. And it protects us. So if a client goes into a past life, there's a very, 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 very strong chance that the subconscious knows that they can take whatever is going to come through in that past life. They're able to integrate it in their lives. So the subconscious doesn't give people more than they can cope with. So in that way, it isn't dangerous. 
However, I have a safeguard within my system where I always check if I'm able to with the subconscious to make sure that it is okay for us to go into the particular past life. And in, again, in 99.9% .9 of cases, the subconscious says, yes, it's safe. In a tiny percentage, it says no. And if it says no, then we don't regress. We don't go into the stuff because the subconscious is saying he or she is not ready for it yet. Hmm. So in those cases, it's not dangerous. The only way it can be dangerous is if the therapist, and it's only a small danger, if they don't do the job properly. And what I mean by that is, when we go into the traumas, we often have to go through the traumas more than once to fully release them. And that isn't a nice experience for client or therapists. So some therapists might bring the client out too quickly. And if they do that, then the client is left feeling really rubbish for several days. They can be actually re-traumatized. So one of the important things here is that the therapist takes the client back into the trauma enough to fully release its energy. And when that is done, the client gets better. So the chances of it being dangerous is so tiny, but as long as a therapist knows what they're doing, or at least does what they should do, which is to take the client through the trauma and fully release it, then there's no danger. Interesting. I'm thinking about that, you know, the model of, you know, the mind. And I remember like learning that model in psychology 101, like back in the nineties. Mm. And, um, you know, and at the time I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. It was before I really got into any type of metaphysical type of things. Now I wonder, like I think about it to me in a way, like, like, does it make sense to only have 20% of your consciousness at the forefront and everything else in, running in the background? Like, like, like to me, like, in a, from a logical perspective, that doesn't make sense. And, um, but then I started hearing about, like, other things, like the idea that our brain actually isn't a storehouse of experience, but rather it's a receiver. And where it receives information from another plane, sort of like a radio receives waves from a transmitter. And that also connects us to things like the Akashic records and stuff like that. Um, do, 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 you, do you have anything to say about like, like those other type of models of consciousness? Yeah. The, the, model, the model that I've just shared is very much the Freudian model yeah. of the mm -hmm. mind. And, and, and for me, it's a simple way for people to get a sense of the, of the mind. But, I mean, how can anybody really describe what, what is amorphous? You can't see it. You can't, in a way, you can't test it. You can to some degree. So I'm not really sure how we can fully understand what the conscious and the subconscious is. Um, <clears throat> certainly, I know that there are some some researchers a few years ago, mind researchers. And how they came up with these figures is beyond me, Gary, because I don't know how they can research the mind in this way. But they actually said that the conscious mind, <clears throat> excuse me, takes on board uh, 50 pieces, 50 bits of information every second, 5-0. Whereas the subconscious mind takes on board 11 million bits of information every second 
Mm-hmm. How they could come up with that, I don't know. But what it does for me, it indicates the incredible vastness of the subconscious, the awesomeness of it compared with our conscious minds. Now, as you say, it is illogical that we only use 0.0001% of the mind in, in that conscious way. Why that is, I don't know. But it does appear that beneath the surface of the conscious mind, there is a deeper mind going on, which is much more intelligence, much more refined, much more elegant, and much wiser than the conscious thinking mind. Hmm. I actually call it the engine room of the mind. And of course, this is one reason why hypnotherapy is so powerful, because when we go into trance, we start to move into the deeper mind, the subconscious mind. So one of the things that you also mentioned earlier was the ancestry part of it. Um, Does that mean that we are part of soul groups? Well, I believe we are part of soul groups based on the, the stuff that I've done over the years. But a soul group isn't necessarily the same as an ancestral line. So what I've found is that it's quite unusual to be reborn from one life to another lifetime, reincarnation-wise, in the same family line. It's quite unusual. We tend to get reborn outside of our ancestral line each time in most cases. There are some cases where people do get reborn in the family line that they were in in the previous life. But usually it's a completely different um, a completely different line. It's a completely different thing. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, hmm. um, you know, it, the ancestral stuff is very significant, though, Gary, in terms of therapy and healing. Um, you know, it's quite remarkable. I mean, my understanding as well is that the ancestral therapy stuff is the only part of therapy which has been scientific, scientifically proven that these energies can come down almost like through the genes. It's like right. a genetic in many cases. Although it isn't always a genetic. Often it's, a, it, often it's like an energy that seems to come down. Uh, but, you know, the simplest way to see it is as a genetic thing. Uh, but incredibly effective, incredibly powerful. Um, and, again, it has to be regressed back into. So in a regression session, what we're aiming to do so it's to go back into an ancestor's life and relive their trauma that they've passed down through to us. So this afternoon, for example, I had a client uh, here in the UK um, and she went back into her great-great-grandfather's life or great-great-great-great-great, I think it was four, four generations back. And she relived being on board an old-fashioned sailing ship, probably the 1840s time, and she was a military, or he was a military man, and um, they'd been in some sort of terrible storm in this old sailing ship. The ship was battered to hell, but then they were almost becalmed. They, the, the, the wind went, and then they were just left floating with no wind and no way of moving on, and they were left in this state for a long, long time, and all the crew started to die and they were hungry with no water, etc. Um, and my client relived that today. 
in order to release that ancestor's traumas hmm. or trauma of that experience. Do you, th- I mean, as a soul and as a as as people experience these past lives, did, are these past lives? Do you think experienced by an individual soul, or do you think that each individual, after we die, like different bits and pieces are collected together to build a new one, <laughs> like like, like Lego like, souls, <laughs> yeah, Lego souls. Um, well, again, I I don't know, Gary. I mean, it, it, that's again a metaphysical sort of question. I know these things bother I me. <laughs> I can see you that type of person, aren't you? you like these. Uh, um, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, my experience is that when we die, we go up into the soul clusters, the clusters of souls that are around us. Um, I to sort of answer your question in a, in a roundabout way. Uh, or maybe not answer it, but to sort of give another slant on it, is the possibility that our soul is so big that it can actually split and be reborn into more than one body on Earth at any particular time. So how I came upon this was I had a client years ago who um, lived in, he he was an, an Air Force pilot in the First World War, and he got shot down and died um, in the first war. And so that was a pretty standard regression session for me, release, release, releasing the trauma of that. But a few sessions later, he relived a past life during the First World War as a woman. And I thought, well, hang on, that can't be real because he was either a pilot or he can't be a woman at the same time. But so I started to sort of disbelieve this experience. I thought, well, maybe maybe he has imagined this. Maybe this has been made up. But then I read the book Journey of Souls by Michael Newton, which is a great book. And uh, it's probably not as good as The Power of Past Life Regression, of course, but it's still a great book. <laughs> <laughs> God blow my trumpet, haven't I? Um, but it's a great book. And he talks in there about this concept of the soul splitting. So our soul being so large that it can we can be reborn into two bodies on earth at the same time. Some people would call that a twin flame experience, I understand. And since then, I've had it occasionally, not very often over the years, but very occasionally people have lived at the same time on earth in two different bodies. Hmm. Interesting. And what is that like, like for them? Like, how do they deal with like two of themselves living at the same time? Well, they're not aware of it. In most cases, they're just aware of how they are in that life. But what often happens is if they meet the twin flame, there's an enormous connection, an enormous coming together on, on so many levels. And it feels so right. It's more than just love. It's just like, an all-encompassing um, joining together and, and coming together of everything, um, almost like a perfect sort of relationship. So that occasionally, it said, can happen. Hmm. I can't imagine running into another me. <laughs> you might be Joe Biden right now. 
Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I am not a political person at all. <laughs> okay, I'm just joking. I, know. I don't want to say any listeners, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, when you put people under trance, like what type of induction do you use? Do you use scripts? Do you wave a watch in front of them? Do you spin a spiral and go, like in <laughs> yeah, sci-fi yeah, yeah. movies? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Or, or, or do you just do like the uh, standard, you know, relaxation, you know, tense yourself, relax kind of technique? Yeah. I tend to use, I tend to just fluff stuff nowadays. I've done it, you know, 15,000 sessions. I just sort of fluff along with stuff, whatever comes in. In my early days, I would get the client to look at a disc on the wall and get them to imagine this disc was moving around and it was swirling around. We call that an eye fixation induction. Mm-hmm. And we just give suggestions for the eyelids to start feeling heavier. Um, and for most people, as this is happening, they start to allow the eyelids to feel heavier. And when at some stage their eyelids feel so heavy, they just close down. Um, we don't do the swinging watch chain. That's the Victorian thing. Um, the the father of modern day of, of, of hypnosis was a man called James Braid, <clears throat> in a Victorian doctor in, in uh, England. And he discovered if you got somebody to look at something and you talk to them softly and gently, then very often they would, their their conscious mind was distracted by looking at something whilst you were talking around the back door, you could see into the subconscious mind. Um, And so he often, because everybody in Victorian London had waistcoats with these uh, watches and chains on, of course, he used the swinging watch chain as a means to get people to look at something and the watch chain would swing. But it's a bit old-fashioned, and uh, there are I mean, <laughs> there are even very fast inductions. You know, some therapists do what are called rapid inductions. I've seen that, like where they tap, you tap somebody in the arm, and it, they get distracted by that, and you put the suggestion in. Yeah, but in, and even faster than that. You know, you can take people into trance like this, as fast as that. It can be as fast as that. So, um, it, it, I don't like doing fast things like that because to me, it takes the it disempowers the client a little bit and it's a bit of an ego thing. You know, I'm going to get you into trance. I like to work with my client. It's an equal partnership. So it's more relaxed than anything else. It could be probably because I'm just a boring person. So I like to bore people into trance. I don't know, but um, that's the way I usually do it is quite gentle and relaxational um, with certain language patterns as well, which make it easier for the client to get into trance. Hmm. Um, but trance, of course, is natural, Gary. You know, we people people get scared about hypnosis because they they've seen Hollywood movies, I think, or they've seen stage hypnotists uh, disempowering people. And hypnosis is completely natural. We all go into hypnosis about twenty four times a day when we daydream, um, when we go on automatic pilot in the car. You know, anybody who drives a car goes into trance regularly. How many times you're driving along and you suddenly think, whoa, how did I get here? You've been in trance, you've been in hypnosis. When we drift into sleep, when we drift out of sleep, these are trance experiences. When we get wrapped up in a book or a TV uh, program, these are trance experiences. So trance is very often about being focused into something. And it's quite natural. So all we're doing in a therapy setting is sort of accentuating and emphasizing the relaxation elements of that. 
whilst people just allow themselves to relax down. And it's said that everybody can be hypnotized. I must admit that some people make it difficult for themselves and some people are very easy to hypnotize. It's like a natural gift. Maybe 25 to 30% of people go into trance really quite easily. And certainly with that type of person, then we tend to be able to regress back pretty easily. Have you ever encountered anything where you put somebody under in the past life regression and experienced something um, of a non-human experience? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's two aspects to this, if I, if I may, Gary. One is I have done not masses, but I have certainly regressed people who have been abducted by aliens in this present lifetime. And then I've had people who, in a past life, have had lives on other planets, you could say, as other life forms. So I had one person who was like a flame energy. That was the only way they could describe their, their physical body. It was like a flame-type energy. I had another gentleman who came with uh, quite a lot of anxiety in, inside him. He relived a past life where he was, he crash-landed on Earth. Him and he, he was in a spacecraft. The spacecraft, the spacecraft crashed on Earth. He survived, his, his colleagues died. And then he spent the rest of the, well, the next little while, absolutely terrified about being here on Earth. He, he was terrified that he would be found. He kept saying, you know, he knew that if he was found, that he would be in trouble. Um, and he kept saying, what is the matter with them down all this violence, what is the matter with them? It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. He kept saying this over and over, and he managed to hide away and not get found. And then eventually, it was a little bit like E.T. phone home. Uh, his comrades from his planet came and found him and took him back up uh, into you know spacecraft and they shot back to his own planet. But that always stayed with me. You know, his his people were way advanced to us, much more advanced. And they, they knew that we didn't have to live in such violent ways. Just recently, I had a client in America who, because uh, bear in mind, all my clients are online nowadays, Gary. Um, I do everything online on Zoom because he just works so well. Uh, I never thought we could do regression online, but it mm. works fantastically well. It's extraordinary. Well, I had a female client in the States. She had a very unpleasant past life. As um, she went into the past life and she felt she was sort of a reptilian alien, but she was being, um, she was in some sort of chair and she couldn't move. Her arms and her feet were sort of bound. Um, so she couldn't get away. And she was terrified of. I don't know whether it was a he, but she was terrified of what was happening. And then some extremely horrible reptilian commander came in. And um, he basically said that we're going to take you back to your planet, but you're going to be, um, what's the word, like an example to the other people there, to the others there. And so what they did, they chopped her hands and feet off and then put her into a spaceship 
And then she realized in this spaceship, there were other beings from other planets, other aliens, other extraterrestrials, and bad things had happened to them as well. And they were being taken back to their own planets as examples of what will happen to you if you don't behave, if you don't do what we want you to do. And she got a sense that she was a sort of a reptilian, but there are different grades of reptilian. Hers was a, a, a nice, peaceable sort of people. But then there are the really nasty ones at the other end that just want to rule and just want to butcher things. Um, and that they were the ones that were sort of trying to say, you know, do what we tell you to do or this will happen to you. Really strange experience. Um, quite unlike anything I've ever had before, to be honest. I've never heard that before. Mm. That's, that's, saying, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess so. Yeah, your job, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds horrific. Um, you know, a lot of my guests I gave from uh, Ozark Mountain, which is Dolores Cannon's publisher. So, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I get a lot of that kind of stuff where people have had, you know, contact with aliens in past lives or through regression, you know, abduction <laughs> stuff. And and usually, like the message is, you know, that we're just destroying our planet, and we got to stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think what my, as I said with the, the previous client, it wasn't just about destroying the planet. It was just like, what is going on down here? This is madness. You don't have to be like this. You don't have to do this. Um, and I thought that those that's all stayed with me that session. Is there anything in hypnotherapy and past life regression that you think could help benefit humanity out of the mess that it's gotten itself into? I think therapy generally, good therapy, helps people to become more balanced. And the more balanced we are as human beings, we send that out into the collective. So without becoming pretentious or sounding pretentious, I believe that my role in my life on earth now is to help to heal people so that it helps the earth to heal. And, you know, the more we can become, it's this idea, isn't it? Be the change in others, be the change in yourself that you want to see in others. If we have good therapy and I've done lots of different therapies over the years, training all sorts of stuff, Gary, but for me, regression and past life regression is the deepest form of therapy that I know. The most effective form of therapy. Of course, I'm going to trumpet it because I'm involved in it, but I believe sincerely it's the deepest therapy that I know. And with good therapy, if we're able to let go of our emotional stuff, we start to live more freely. We start to live more joyously and we're just much more balanced as individuals. And then that energy goes out into the collective, into the world, and it helps to heal the world. So that for me is answering your question is have therapy and become free. Interesting. I think too, you know, like you mentioned earlier about people trance, you know, sometimes I just think maybe being conscious is being in the trance, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's such a weird experience that we can't really, I can't explain it anyway. Well, I think, I mean, you know, when we are, 
there's different ways of looking at living consciously. I don't think many people live consciously at all. I think many people live in a trance. From day to day, mm -hmm. they are just entranced by everything, by this way of life, by the subconscious drivers, by the patterns, the imprints from the past. That's a form of trance. Not being aware of what we're doing, not being aware that we can change, not being aware that we have um, drivers and processes under, underneath our ways of being that can be changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I get tired of people who say, well, I've always been like this. This is the way I am, which to me is one of the most stupid things anybody <laughs> can actually say. <laughs> it really is. It just means they're just not conscious. They're just living in a trance. When we become conscious, I think we become conscious of the way we are as human beings, of the effects we have on other human beings. And then certainly if we start to talk in terms of like non-duality as a process, then we are really yes. living in a conscious state. Absolutely. Because then we are observing and witnessing our thoughts, our way of being, our patterns, our responses. So that for me is true consciousness. Hmm. Most people, I'm sorry to say, are just living in a trance. I, I agree. I agree. I see it every single day. And it's funny, like you mentioned, like, oh, I can't change because I'm just that way. And that's when you kind of, like, sometimes I'll look around, I'll see somebody, like, they might be in a 60-year-old body, but they're really six years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have not changed. They, they've been convinced no, no, no. That, that what they were taught that they were at six yes. years old is the same thing they're going to be at 60. Yeah. Well, it's the old Jesuit thing, isn't it? Give me a child until the seven and I'll give you a Catholic. You know, the, it's that total mind control. It, not mind control, it's the wrong thing. It's the general brainwashing that we experience as children. And, you know, the stuff that we see in our childhood stays with us. And unfortunately, the child is the father of the man. Wordsworth the poet said that. But an unhappy child means we're an unhappy adult. You know, the concept of inner child therapy is that we all have a little boy or a little girl inside us. And we might get old and grey and wrinkly, but however old and grey and wrinkly we are, there's still a little boy or a little girl inside us. And if our inner child is sad and wounded and hurting, then that's how we live in the world as adults. So, so much therapy is about healing the wounds of childhood. If we can just do regardless of past life regression, if mm -hmm. we can just work on our childhoods to, it's actually said it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Right. So that 60, 60 odd year old man who is still the six year old inside can still heal and can still change and can still start to enjoy a sense of freedom and a sense of peace inside. Well, that's good to know because it is sort of tragic to see yes. people kind of, in that state yes, of unawareness. Yes. Um, I don't know if you're off the path a little bit. I also was looking at your bio, and you also have something called, do something called EFT. Yes. Which yes. is the tapping technique, I believe. Tapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I've interviewed 
I think it was Dawson Church who also. Oh yeah, 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 Dawson Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah can, can you tell me a little bit about the the, the tapping techniques and how that yeah, works? Sure. I mean, it, it, the the easiest way to understand it is to call it psychological acupuncture, mm-hmm. um, because what we're doing is with EFT emotional freedom technique. We're tapping on certain points on the body to get rid of problems, which sounds totally bonkers. It really does, but it is so effective and extraordinarily effective at times. It can take your breath away. So the points we tap on are actually acupuncture points. So this is why we call it psychological acupuncture. So we tune into a problem, let's say an eating problem or an anxiety state or a phobia or whatever. And as we're tuning into it, we're tapping on these points around the body And usually there are different styles of EFT. I do what I call advanced EFT, which is where it's quite a free-flowing, like a Freudian free association EFT, which is where where we're tapping. I'm just sharing lots of stuff with the client that comes through me based on my experience as a therapist, based on what the client has told me about the problem. And I'm hoping that some of what I'm tapping through will be significant for the clients because when we tap on these points it has the effect of neutralizing the trauma it's a little bit like the the idea of chinese medicine are these energy meridians which is sort of like energies that flow up and down the body and you can think of them as like rivers of energy which should be flowing freely up and down the body if we have a problem the river gets rocks in it, so it doesn't flow freely. It gets blocked up, might get dammed in. What EFT does, it unblocks the blocks. It takes away the rocks, so the energies start to flow more freely. And it can be not just rapid, it can take your breath away. And um, one of my greatest successes, Gary, as a therapist in the last 29 years was when a lady called me one day and she said, I have a two and a half year old daughter and she has these terrible episodes every night when we put her to bed. She's screaming and screaming. We don't know what's going on. Can you help her? So I said, well, she's two and a half. I can't do hypnosis on her. But what I can do is this weird tapping system called EFT. Um, Bring her along and I'll do a session. So the lady came with her daughter and this little girl was very cute, but very shy. And she sat on her mom's lap all the way through the session. And um, I started to tap, but I was tapping on mummy. Okay. Because the little girl and mummy were touching. So therefore they were one energy system. They were one energy field. So if I was tapping on mummy for the little girl, the little girl would get better. What a problem was, Gary, just before I say that, is every night the lady and her husband put this little girl to bed. Let's call her Poppy. They put Poppy to bed at six o'clock on an evening. They wanted an early night because there were early risers. She went to sleep very quickly, but every night, and this had been happening for several months, I think it was at 6.40, she woke up and she was screaming and she stood in her crib, in her cot, with her eyes fixated on a point on the wall in front of her, with her arms completely outstretched. Her whole body was rigid. 
And she was screaming and screaming and screaming, and they couldn't do anything with her. It took them about 25 minutes to get her to calm down. And eventually she would go to sleep. And then <clears throat> about three nights a week, at about 12.40, it was the same time every time, 12.40 during the night, she would wake up again and do this same thing, standing in a crib, arms outstretched, rigid, screaming. <clears throat> I mean, this time it took them maybe five to ten minutes to get her back to sleep. And just the mom said, well, <clears throat> we don't know what the problem is. I mean, immediately there's a part of me thinking, is there a spirit in the room or something? Is she reacting mm -hmm. to that? But <clears throat> I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't treat it as a spirit attachment or anything. I thought, well, it may just be some emotional stuff that's coming through. So I said, I tapped on mommy, tapping on all sorts of things, tapping for maybe I had a difficult birth and maybe I'm carrying some birth trauma, blah, 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 blah. Whatever came into my head, we did about 30 minutes of tapping. Every now and again, I would just tap gently on the little girl on Poppy and then I would tap back on mommy. This little girl, little girl was, as I say, she was in mommy's arms. She kept looking up at me with these big eyes, uh, very shy, with her, and then put her head down. Did about half an hour of tapping, and I said, okay, well, let's see where that leaves us to after this session. Um, come back in, let's say, three weeks, and that will give you time to assess whether there's been any benefit. Because if there's no benefit, then it's no good me doing lots of work. I mean, mm -hmm. this work, it works quickly or it doesn't work at all. Mom came back three weeks later with the little girl. She said, it's been like a miracle. It's been an absolute miracle. In the last three weeks since we've seen you, we've had one episode and it lasted for 10 minutes. That's all. We managed to get her back to sleep. We cannot believe the difference. But she said more than that, even more than that has happened. The little girl goes to nursery several times a week. All her nursery workers are saying to us, what have you done to her? She's a different girl. We can't believe the difference in her. She's so confident now. Before, she would sit shyly on her own and not play and not communicate with the other kids and with us. Now she's outgoing. She's laughing. She's full of confidence. What have you done with her? She's like a different girl. And the mom said even more than that, her hair was starting to grow properly because her hair wasn't growing properly. So that was 30 minutes of tapping to get an absolutely miraculous result. It's incredible. It's incredible. One of the biggest successes of my career. It, may, it brings joy to my heart every time I think about that little girl. Can, can you like do that? Like, like, like if you talk to somebody through like a Zoom session, like you and I are talking, can you yeah. tell them where to tap for a certain type yes. of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, a Zoom EFT session is, first of all, to go through the tapping points and m let my client mirror me as I'm tap as I'm sharing them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then we start going into the, uh, the actual tapping process, which is to focus on the problem whilst we tap on these particular points. Wow. It works incredible. so well with anxieties. It's great with anxieties. Hmm. It really is. Interesting. So effective. How does it work with like PTSD and things like that? Yeah. Uh, again, I had a wonderful um, uh, case years ago with an Englishman. Um, I was treating his wife for depression and very successful with the work that we did. And she said, could you help my husband? 
Um, he's a, in the 1950s or 60s, uh, he was a member of an infantry unit uh, in the British Army. And he was, I can't remember whether he was in Burma or um, one of the countries that we were decided to occupy as the Brits in the 50s and 60s. You know, because yeah. we know best as British people, don't we? We'll <laughs> take the world over and stick our bloody flag in their country. Um, so, um, but he was a member of a, of, a, of a unit that saw quite a lot of unpleasant action. And she said ever since then, he's had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. He has sleep disorders. He doesn't sleep very well. He gets nightmares regularly. He's very anxious. So he came to see me. And with PTSD, you do have to be careful with it because if you're not careful, you can overwhelm the client and make the problem worse. So with EFT, we have a specific protocol we use in order not to overwhelm the client. And basically, um, I asked him about what his, his experiences were in, these, um, in the war, you could say. And... He was a member of a small unit of men who, let's say it was Burma, I can't remember the country now, Gary, but him and a small unit of men would get dropped by helicopter. They would call it up country in the jungle behind the enemy lines. And for several weeks, they had to um, be in the jungle without getting caught and cause problems for the enemy as well as get information and you know find uh, information that could then filter back to the to the uh, to the senior people and in those weeks when they were dropped up country behind the lines they lived on their nerves every second of every minute of every hour of every day so from one moment to the next it was like your poor Vietnam vets who were in the same sort of situation, you know, behind the enemy lines, in the jungle, it was not their territory. Every second, a booby trap could have blown them to pieces. Every second, they could have been ambushed, etc., etc. And when the chopper picked them up and brought them back, I mean, of course, they were, they were wrecked, you know, for, but they had to keep doing this several times. So he explained this to me when, the, when he came to see me, the gentleman, and so I said, okay, but have you got, is the one memory which is worse than all the others? When you think about all those horrible experiences, the one which is the big one? Oh, he said, yes. Yes, he did. Yes. So I will explain how I tapped whilst we were doing the session. I used this particular protocol. But basically what had happened is that him and his unit had been taken up country and dropped in the jungle for a few weeks. But then the I say unit, I don't know how many men in a, in a unit, but there were, you know, maybe there were 16 or of them. But at some stage, they were divided into two units. And the idea was that they were going to do their own thing, let's say eight men in each of these units, and then meet up at a rendezvous point at a particular day, at a particular time, and then the chopper would come and take them back and get them back to base. And he said, there was one particular day, he said, we'd done this, we'd been split up, my unit, my eight men, we were sitting there in this clearing waiting for the chopper to come and also waiting for our comrades, the other eight men, to come and join us. We didn't know where they were. And we were getting worried because it was close to time to be picked up and they hadn't appeared. And he said, my best pal, 
my best pal was in the other eight men. And he said, suddenly, through from the corner of the clearing, they came towards us. Our men started to come towards us. And we breathed a sigh of relief. He said, but then my best pal trod on a landmine and was blown into the air. And he said, I then, you know, I ran over to him. He died in my arms. That was his most traumatic memory. We tapped on that. We did this particular PTSD protocol, totally neutralized that memory in one hour, less than an hour, completely neutralized it. And as a result, his PTSD started to collapse, which meant we could then work on other memories. And certainly Gary Craig, who's the creator of EFT, did some work at the Vietnam Veterans Association um, Center. Some Was it in, not sure it was Los Angeles, but somewhere in the States, where for six days, him and his assistant or his friend worked with several Vietnam vets who had been there for 20 years, drugged up to the eyeballs on medicine in order to get them through. And they're having terrible PTSD problems. And they worked with some of them and completely cleared their PTSD over several sessions. And this is all on video, actually. It's a video, I've seen this video many times, where some of these poor fellas and, and women that have gone through the incredibly unpleasant experiences in the Vietnam War, and they tapped down the anxieties and the pain and the fears, etc., etc., and the emotions, and neutralized those memories and cleared the PTSD. That's incredible. And the concept of it is that when we have a lot of problems like that, it's like a forest of problems. Mm -hmm. All of the trees in the forest are just in, in our faces. What we do with EFT, we tend to tap on the big trees. And as the big trees come down, they collapse the smaller ones around them as well. So certainly with the Vietnam vets and Gary Craig, one of his, one of the patients had 120 intrusive memories. They call them intrusive memories, 120 traumatic memories from the, from the war. And they tapped on several of them and they collapsed dozens and dozens of those intrusive memories because the big trees would fall on the smaller ones and collapse them down. Hmm. Incredible. It, it is great that they, they have these type of things that can really help people, you know, without medicating them to death. Oh, yeah. You know, or... I mean, it, you know, unfortunately, the whole system in your country and in my country, anybody with a psychological, emotional problem, the knee-jerk reaction from the medics is to get them on medication. And in most cases, I'm sorry to say, my experience is completely wrong because the medication is often designed to keep the lid on the emotional pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. My role as a therapist is to take the lid off and get the emotions out because the regression concept, all of our problems are caused by locked in feelings and emotions from past traumas. If they're locked in, you have a problem. So take medication, it locks them in, you keep the problem. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can do some therapy work and good therapy work, neutralize release the problem then the problem goes away it's like digging out a weed you dig the roots out and then the weed's gone it's fantastic 
Interesting. So I'm sorry to say, I mean, one of my, if I may get controversial here, Gary, <laughs> one of my bait noirs, my soapboxes, is, is the way that doctors load out antidepressants to people. You know, they're like smarties, and the they base this on a lie. The lie is that depression is caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. It's a lie. There is no independent scientific evidence to support that at all. Hmm. It was created by drug companies to sell antidepressants, and then doctors get trained with the lie and believe that's the case. Yes, there may be a chemical imbalance in the brain, but it's caused by something deeper than that, what is going on emotionally. So yeah. I'm sorry to say so many tablets make things worse. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell people, can. I don't tell clients to stop taking tablets. I don't do that. <laughs> you know, they can work that out for themselves. But, right. you know, the, the whole psychological system in your country, in my country, and in possibly many others is, is, med is chemical-based, and that is the wrong way for mm -hmm. me. So, so do you believe in people not taking any medication at all? Like, like for example, me personally, I take um, Keppra because I have epilepsy. And then I take okay. like like five milligrams of um, Lexapro just to sort of – because the, the Keppra was making me like really angry. So, so like the five milligrams of, of Lexapro takes away that, that aggression. Is, is that – something I shouldn't be doing? Should I sh seek a alternative method for my epilepsy? I would say yes. And um, certainly the epilepsy is a strange thing because some hypnotherapists say that epilepsy shouldn't be treated with hypnosis. And yet in the early years of hypnosis, in the 1830s and 1840s, when it was still called mesmerism, they were treating epileptics all the time with it. And they didn't really know what they were doing back then. So now I'm not so gung-ho as to say that you should stop doing this and you should immediately do alternative therapies. What I'm always suggesting is that it is, if it's possible to work on the emotional roots of a problem, every illness has emotional causes. If it's possible to do that, unfortunately, not everybody can regress. So, you know, there are limits to this. But if it is possible to work on the emotional causes, it is possible to actually cure any illness. And Louise Hay, the, you can heal your life. And I've got the book on my desk here in front of me. I have it all the time because many clients have got physical problems um, and I'm checking on it. So she would say, now I'm not saying that this is my take on it. Epilepsy, she says the emotional causes, a sense of persecution rejection of life, a feeling of great struggle and self-violence. So that for her, those for her are the emotional causes of epilepsy. So for me as a therapist, I'm saying, well, where are those underlying causes coming from? It's always about traumas in the past. Could be past life, could be this life, could be ancestors' life, could be all three. If we're able to go into that, then we can heal the actual physical problem because you release the emotional drivers of the physical problem and the physical problem gets better. Can I give you a couple of examples? Sure. 
and again, I'm not trying to claim that I can cure the world. I, I, you know, I can, <laughs> this stuff is powerful, but it has limitations. But I've certainly had some incredible healings over the years. Um, just, for example, mystery illness. If a person has a mystery illness that the doctors don't know why or what it's about, usually it's caused by past life. So I had a lady came to me and um, she had a severe back pain. And this back pain was so bad that she couldn't get to the gym anymore. She was putting weight on. She felt very unhappy and depressed. Um, she was in pain all the time. She'd been to the doctors. She'd even had surgery. And in the hospital, they'd put her under anesthetic, opened her up, couldn't find anything, stitched her back up again and sent her home with painkillers. Now, this lady was a, a magistrate, so she's no mug. She wasn't into past lives and all this sort of stuff. That wasn't her thing. But her subconscious, once I'd taken her into trance, indicated that there were four past lives causing the back pain. And the first back past life was the big one, was a really major past life. And basically, in the past life, she was a young Nazi officer, a male Nazi officer, who was a member of a, a war team in in, uh, in Europe. And she was a member of a team of Nazis that were going around stealing art treasures and shipping them back to Berlin. Now, this is a bit of a cushy number, and it was good because this young man was very sensitive, mm -hmm. um, but quite naive. But then things started to go wrong for the Nazis, so he got shipped off to the Eastern Front uh, fighting in Russia. And then things got tough. So my client is laid there in trance telling me what's happening. She says, we're, we're bogged down in the snow. We can't get supplies through. We're about 40 miles from Moscow. Uh, the snow's coming down. Um, there's not enough food. There's no benzene for the trucks. There's snipers, there's skirmishes. This young man was terrified. And this went on for some time in the hypnotherapy session. She was shaking. She was really uptight. Then what happened is that the young man was told that in a village behind the Nazi lines, a village that they'd captured in Russia, there was in a church an icon that may be worth looking at and stealing, you know, a, a Russian art uh, religious relic. This young man then made the biggest mistake of his life. Without an armed escort, he thought, well, it's safe. It's a mile behind our lines. He jumps on a motorbike and drives to this little Russian village. And then what happened was quite remarkable in the session, Gary. I won't demonstrate it fully because it will blow your speakers out. But what She was laid in the chair, my client, so I said, what's happening now? She said, I've arrived at the village. I found the church. She said, it's completely deserted. It's a tiny little village with these little wooden shacks everywhere, a wooden church totally deserted there's not a soul about she said i've got off the motorbike i'm walking into the churchyard i'm going to and the next thing she went ah and she screamed she jumped about three feet in the air and then crashed down onto the chair and was coughing and choking <coughs> i've been shot i've been shot i've been shot she kept saying and then she took about 20 minutes to die. She just got weaker and weaker. And basically a Russian sniper had just 
shot her and left her, to, shot him and left him mm -hmm. to die. Guess where the bullet went, Gary? Exactly where the back pain was in this life. Exactly wow. the same place. It went through one part, in and out the body. Now, that was a big shock for me because I wasn't expecting it. I mean, she really did scream and yell. So we went back through that death, I think, three or four more times. Each time was quite big until the last time when the bullet went in, she just went, Ugh, and she died. We cleared the other three past lives up pretty quickly. The back pain was completely cured as if it had never existed. Completely cured. And I had another client in the UK just recently, and it was a 70-year-old gentleman with back pain, stabbed in the back in a past life and killed. Guess where he was stabbed? Exactly where the back pain is now. Released the death. It wasn't fun. He went through the death a few times. He emailed me a few days later to say, I, I cannot thank you enough. My back is completely better. There's no pain at all. So this is how the regression works, by releasing the locked-in energies. Um, I, have a, I had a client in, in Oslo a few years ago with lip cancer. Now, I'm not for one minute claiming that I can cure cancer. I'm not so stupid as that. Cancer is a complicated issue, but it always has emotional causes. And for my client, there were two past lives causing the lip cancer. In one of the past lives, she was a young, a young noblewoman, a flirtatious teenage noblewoman. And she had a, a young a, a male servant, and he misread the messages she was giving him. She was very flirtatious. And this young man thought that, you know, she was flirting with him. And one day he tried to kiss her. And this, of course, was an, a massive no-no. He's just a nothing and she's a noble woman. And the shock of it was massive. She rejected him and he ran away horrified because he thought, oh, my God, I've really done something bad there. She didn't know what to do. If she told her father, father would have killed the boy. So she told her sister. And what did her sister do? Her sister told her father, who had this young man executed. So therefore, the death was on her conscience. In the second past life, she was in an African village, a young African woman, and she was raped by one of the men in the village, but she couldn't tell anybody about it. Because if she told any, everybody, first of all, they wouldn't believe her because he was you know, quite high up in the hierarchy. Secondly, no man would want to marry her. He, they wouldn't want her as a bride. So she had to lock in all that pain and the feeling about it. So think about it, lip cancer. In both of those cases, in the first case, she spoke out and it caused a death. In the second case, she couldn't speak out and she just had to live with the consequences and the pain. That's the reason why the cancer was in the lip. It was about speaking out, not speaking out. We released the past lives. That lady went, changed her lifestyle, had some kinesiology, which is another great therapy. Several months later, she sent me an email saying, I've had tests at the hospital, Steve. They cannot find a trace of cancer in my body. Wow. Fantastic. So emotional causes to illness. If we can work in this way, we can't always work in this way, but if we can, then it is possible to really heal physical problems in a big way. Incredible. 
in my book, I mentioned quite a few other cases, psoriasis, eczema, things like that. Speaking well, of physical that, problems, where, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book? Okay. My book is, is available as a book um, called The Power of Past Life Regression uh, in all the usual places, Amazon, etc., etc. I recorded it last year as an audio book, so that's available from Audible and Amazon, etc. Um, if people are interested in my other book as well, I've written another book called Famous Past Lives, where I've had some regressions with people who were very famous in previous lifetimes. It's really weird stuff. Um, that my books are available also through my websites. I have two websites. The first one is lionheart-training.com. Lionheart, as in Richard the Lionheart, dash training. That's the name of my training organization, you could say. I also have a WordPress site with lots of blogs and podcasts on uh, all about past lives. And this is a weird one. This is hypnoblogpod.com dot wordpress.com hypno blog pod hypno blogs and podcasts hypno blog pod dot wordpress.com my facebook page is the power of past life regression just like the book and i do have a free youtube channel with free hypnotherapy recordings on that i've just given away to the world i love people to go on there and experience hypnotherapy and some of the healing powers of hypnotherapy for free it contains 21 recordings, all of them are professionally recorded. And the title of the YouTube channel is Hypno For All. That's the number four, H-Y-P-N-O, number four, A-L-L, Hypno For All. Wow. So that's my stuff, basically. Well, I will I'm available to, if people want hypnotherapy sessions with me, go through the website, lionheart-training.com. There's a contact form and we can set things up on there. I will put all those links in the notes of this episode for my listeners to find you. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate awesome. It. Thank you. Well, thank you for being on. This is a fantastic interview. Love to have you back again. Oh, that's very kind. Thanks. It's a real, real pleasure. Thank you. You've got some great questions as well. You've got thank me you. thinking at times. So fantastic. <laughs> that's wonderful. Thanks so much. So, yeah, been a real pleasure, Gary. I'd love to come back anytime. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. All right. I'll hang on for one moment, and I'm just going to play my outro. Thank you.